Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Um, Pastor Kim said, which was such a kind introduction. My name is Darren. My wife and I are the Young Adults Pastors here. I don't want to assume that everyone knows us because there are a lot of people that have joined our church in recent weeks and recent months. So it's so great to have you here today. I want to welcome everyone that's joining us online via the live stream or via the, the podcast. So great that you could tune in today. I'm going to jump straight into my message today. I feel like God's given me a word and I know I have a word from God because this never happens to me. And I was debating whether or not to share this, but at 2.30 this morning, I got a phone call from someone I don't know sending me the most abusive message about my faith. It's the most random thing. I woke up this morning and someone was just like, you need to be quiet. Your faith is dumb. And then they said a bunch of stuff that no person should have to repeat. And I woke up this morning going, I feel encouraged. I'm ready to preach the word of God. So um, it never happens to me. No idea who it is. They have my number. So if you're passing my number out, please stop. Um, let me just, just let me know first. I'm happy to talk to the new person. But today I want to talk to you about the anointing. Have you ever wondered what the anointing is? Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard it used in phrases. I know for me, growing up in a charismatic Pentecostal church, this meant that whoever was anointed, they were the creme de la creme. They were the piece of resistance. They were the person that God favoured more. They were the highly favoured one, the used one. And I think that's awesome, but I just never really knew what it meant to be anointed. I don't know if God placed in them some kind of special anointing detector where they could walk around and go, anointed, on your way, God's working on you, anointed. I just never really knew what the anointing was. I know that God anoints us. I know He moves through the anointing. I know things and people can be anointed, but I never really knew what it was. And today I really feel like I've got a message, the title, unapologetically has been taken from someone else. There's a great doctor, his name's Dr. R. Hughes, R.J. Hughes, and he was in a tent meeting in the 1970s and under the unction, that's an old school Bible word for some of my um, old school Pentecostals, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, he started to preach and this was his subject and this is the title of my sermon today, The Anointing Makes the Difference. The Anointing Makes the Difference. Why don't you look at someone right now and say, you look good. Turn to the person you clearly ignored and say, you look better. Now, if your second choice was your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you figure that out after the service, but let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we thank you for who you are. God, we know you're here right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me get out of the way and that this whole sermon would point to Jesus. Jesus, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted high. And we pray that people would have open hearts today, open ears to hear what you're saying. God, break off any distraction, any derailment, any disappointment right now that would stop them hearing what you want to say today. God, we ask that you would be front and center. In Jesus' name, amen. What does it mean to anoint something or someone? Well, quite simply, to anoint or to be anointed in the Old Testament is simply to pour oil over or onto a person for ritualistic fashion. It It was a process in which by someone would be anointed or something would be anointed for a purpose. Psalm 92, 10 says this, But you have been made as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. Robert 
Clover said this, from ancient times, the Hebrews inaugurated offices of their national community by pouring special oil on the head of the person designated for office. The same practice was used to set objects apart for special divine use. When I read that, I think of that moment in The Lion King where they, they get the ointment and they put it on Simba's head. I'm not going to do the voices. This isn't a live reaction. But without knowing it, and maybe this was unintentional, they're anointing him to be future king. In the Old Testament, we see that there was the priests that were anointed. There were things that were set apart. The anointing was uh, specifically going towards this idea of oil and oil in scripture represents the Holy Spirit. So in Exodus 30, I'm not going to read the verse for you because I, I quite honestly, it's quite a lengthy recipe to making anointing oil. And unless you have those things on you today, it's not going to apply to your life. But there is a process in which by God picks out the, 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 the finest things and he crafts it together. And holy anointing oil is carried very highly throughout scripture. I want to give you a definition today, if that's okay. I'm going to read a Greek word, a Hebrew word, some English words, and I'm going to put that together to hopefully give you a working definition of what the anointing is. There's this Hebrew word called Balal. And it says, this is what it means. A primary root, meaning to overflow, especially with oil. Then there's the, the Greek word, cryro, and it says to smear or rub with oil by implication, to consecrate an officer for religious service. And then the related English words, as I was starting with, this is what it says, as a given, anointed, this is what it means, a person who was consecrated to God, quickening, to make alive, to come to life, to revive spiritually, to hasten, I love that, or accelerate, to enter a new stage, active growth and development to shine more brightly. I would say right now, God is quickening Shiloh. God, it's in this moment quickening us. I don't know if you've noticed, and it's not empty rhetoric. We're not just saying this like, look what God's doing. And you can just maybe get familiar. Even since my wife and I and our incredible little baby boy have been here, the church is growing at a rate that both blesses us, but makes us go, cool, we need to grow our capacity. The last one is this, consecrated, to de dedicated to God for His purposes, made holy in character and thus fit for spiritual use. Dr. Frank Damasio is a great Bible teacher and I was so blessed on Friday to see this man in the flesh. He flew straight from America and was at a pastors and leaders session here in Brisbane. And this man is just ministry goals. I don't know if that's appropriate to say this. He is a legend. I honour what's on his life. But Frank Damasio in his classic work, The Making of a Leader, gave this definition to the anointing. I want you to catch it today because it's not this magical, out there, mystical thing that we shouldn't grasp. It's actually for every believer. And if it has access to your life, you should know what it is. The anointing of God's Spirit is the overflowing of the Messiah's divine life of holiness into a human life, which has been made consecrated to God through the personal cross of Christ. Experiences which, is, which make it spiritually rich and this able to impact effectively the light and fragrance of God's Word into the lives of others, producing in them a deep spiritual satisfaction and obvious Christian fruitfulness. All God desires for us is to be this. We want to be those that live and the anointing. Can you say the anointing? I want to give you three points today, and I, I am teaching today. I'm not going to, uh, unless the Holy Spirit asks me to do it, I'm not planning to go too long, but we'll see what happens. That's usually what happens with me these days. I just go, what do you want to do, Holy Spirit? 
and then it happens. But the first point, if you're writing notes, which you should, because I'm going to give you a lot of detail today and I'm going to help you understand what the anointing is. My first point is the anointed one, the anointed one. Jesus is called Christ, which in Greek means anointed one, because he was the Messiah, which is Hebrew for anointed one. So however you slice this, Jesus was the anointed one. Acts 10, 38 says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The anointing of Jesus very quickly, if you're, a, if you're a history buff or you like the Bible, it happens over four stages. There's the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is when we see Jesus baptised. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends from heaven. It, it's the filling of the Spirit. After the, after the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus comes back filled with the Spirit. There's the power of the Spirit. Jesus in the wilderness, he goes through what he does. He goes into the wilderness, apologies, filled with the Spirit. He comes out in the power of the Spirit. And then there's this famous scene. It's actually been depicted in The Chosen recently. I don't need to hear your critique. That's between you and Jesus and your family, but it is what it is. There's a scene where Jesus comes out of the wilderness. The disciples have been like, where's Jesus? The crowds are forming. They're asking. He goes to the local synagogue and he starts quoting the prophet Isaiah. And this is where the anointing of the Spirit starts breaking out in his ministry. Because Luke 4, 18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set a liberty to those who are oppressed. My, my, my point in the, the big part of this today is if Jesus needed the anointing, how much more do you and I? I think maybe subconsciously we just go, yeah, but he was the son of God, but he was fully God, fully man. And at this moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, starts to work through him. And it's by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is able to do what he does. So if Jesus needed the anointing, how much more do we need it? When I look at the life and ministry of Jesus, I see the anointing flowing through him in powerful ways. The good news is it didn't stop with him and it's available for us today. Romans 8, 11 says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Don't get familiar with the fact that you house the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, the Spirit of God came and entered your heart. I love that we invite people to say, hey, invite Jesus into your heart. But I do want to say this really quickly. There aren't a billion mini Jesuses rolling around in your heart. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It's not physically Him in a small version. Jesus doesn't actually in human body or via Spirit come live in your heart. The Spirit of God, His Spirit comes and lives in your heart. And it's via the Holy Spirit, you can hear the voice of God. You can move in the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing of God that makes a difference. If Jesus is the anointed one, I'm going to move very quickly to my second point. What does that make us as Christians? This is my second point. We are the anointed ones. Did you know that? You're anointed. You're anointed. I think sometimes we don't understand, and I said this in my communion message last week, what we actually have access to. 1 John 2.20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you will know all 
things. We see throughout Scripture, God specifically, there's many, but I want to, I want to bring to your attention five. He anoints people for kingdom service. We see Saul was anointed to be king. Because he stopped listening to the voice of God, the anointing goes from his life to David's life. And then David is anointed to be king. We see Elijah and then Elisha. There's a double transference. There's a double portion of Elijah's anointing to Elijah. And then we see Jesus anointed. Each person is anointed for a kingdom purpose, but each person also faces their own battles. I'm slowly working my way through the Old Testament. I love One Chronicles. There's a bunch of names that I can't say. So as I'm reading it, I just start sounding like a mumble rapper. If you don't know what that, that joke is, it's just I... I want to know the thinking behind some of these names. It's a powerful thing. But I noticed that throughout Scripture, anointed people weren't void of battles. If anything, they were brought to them in full force. Um, I see David in Scripture. He, he's probably the poster child of uh, uh, someone that God was looking for and the anointing came to him. If, if you're not familiar with the story, I do want to just recap it really quickly. First Samuel 16, 6 to 7 says this, And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height or his stature, thank you, Jesus, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not a as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 12 and 13. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David didn't immediately step into his purpose, but he was anointed for it. I remember this so distinctly from Pastor Phil's message at Leadership Summit last year, that he said, the anointing exists to help win fights, not avoid them. It also brings them to you. So I, I joke about the phone call this morning, but more rapidly I have seen just these things start coming against my life. There is absolutely nothing special about me in that regard. I know I'm created in the image of God, so therefore I have intrinsic value. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not depreciating my identity, but I am just a guy that loves Jesus, that is trying really hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and going, you say go left, I go left. You say go right, I go right. You say go talk to this person, I go talk to this person. I just want to be someone that's led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm finding that as I'm doing that and I'm working in the anointing, battles turn up. So how do I access the anointing that God has for my life? I would say this to you, and this might be controversial. The holy anointing oil of God cannot rest upon the things of the flesh. You actually cannot live how you want to live and have access to the anointing of God. It can only rest upon those which have experienced the death, cleansing blood of Jesus and have accepted Him as Lord and Saviour. It's for those that have accepted Him both as Saviour and for Lord saying, here I am, I follow you. You cannot make God anoint you to do whatever you want to do in your life. You can't just get it and run with it. It's for His purposes. I'll say this, and this is my story. The anointing is born from a place of a humble and broken heart before God. I remember in my youth, just being so desperate to be used by God. Frank Damasio, a great, great man, great preacher, great leader. He said something that I really took to heart on Friday. Now this applies to me, but maybe you can apply it to your life. He's like, if you're in the ministry, 
you need to know that you're called by God. And he just started listing off all of these things that could happen. Because when I'm called, I know who called me. But when I'm just going with the flow, when I'm just doing what everyone else is doing, and I haven't gone to God and said, is this what you have for my life? There's actually no anointing flowing. It, it is actually a good and healthy thing to get indignant, get a Matthew 7, 7 attitude about asking God for the design, the purpose He has for your life. The church has a general purpose, which is the Great Commission. But I do believe God has a specific purpose for you. And I want to encourage you, ask, seek, knock. Don't accept it is what it is. If you feel like there is more for you to do in this life, I want to say to you, God has embedded something in you. He's not hiding it from you. But I know that anytime I need something from God, I want to get His voice and I want to hear it. Sometimes it's not distance created because I'm doing wrong. It's just Him drawing me closer, drawing me closer. Let me continue. At the moment of salvation, we receive the Spirit of God. I said that. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives within our hearts. But I, I want to say to you, I felt like I got this picture this week of the anointing. You have access to it. Like it, it, God has it for your life, but you actually need to step into it. It's like me getting keys to a house and never stepping into it. Why would I stay on the street and just admire a house that's mine? That's a great house. I like that house. I heard it has a great kitchen. The finishings in the bathroom, great. I have the key. The key is a life consecrated to God. I can open the door and I can live in the anointing. See, God's not withholding it from you. He doesn't sit over here and go, you want it? Come get it. <laughs> He's not running away with it. I don't know what that was. I apologize. I preached at youth on Friday and I'm tired and I think it overflowed. The Bible. Um, He's not holding it from you. He's not. But there actually is a process in which by it's unlocked in your life. Let, let me continue. John, uh, 1 John 2, 27 says this, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and it, it is true and there is no lie just as, just as it has taught you abide in him. Holy people and holy things were anointed. Once they were anointed, they were set apart for specific things. I said it in my last message and the Lord won't let me leave it. There is a noticeable difference between when you live a set-apart life and when you don't. I say this with love, and I know that everyone's on a journey, so hear what I'm not saying. I just want to call us a little bit higher today. Jesus loves you so much that at the moment He met you and you received Him, He doesn't want you to stay there. I know there's a journey. I know there's a process, but let's please not, hear my heart, let's not misrepresent the name of Jesus. There is no reason to go out. I, I'm just going to keep going. I appreciate the applause. There's no reason to go out and keep living in what is not for you anymore. Quite literally, God wants to bring you into an anointed life, but you have to make the conscious decision to leave the old life. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So when I'm saying leave the old life to step into the new, it's not through your own strength. I'm not having a go at you this morning. I want you to live in everything that God has for you. I just want to, I want to testify. 
I live in a sound mind. I feel like I am on top of the world, even through highs and lows. I feel like I'm so close to Jesus, not because I have it together, not because I'm perfect, but I realise it's not by my own strength. When Josh was quoting, my grace is sufficient for you, that's my life. I could not possibly be here without the grace of God. If you know my journey, it doesn't even make sense. I'm not saying that as cliche. I, I, didn't, I couldn't even read. I, I didn't like being on stages. Josh was asking me on Friday night, have you always liked preaching? No, I would skip school. I would not be at youth. I would reject the invitation. Even though I was very weak and in a wheelchair, I'd push the youth leader away and then roll away being like, I don't want to do this. Uh, it's not something that I said, here I am. I want to be the guy on the stage. God's just called me, anointed me. And now I just get the privilege of doing this. But it's not something that I went after. It's something that God brought me. The anointing is not for the professional Christian. It's for the yielded one. It's not for the professional Christian. I think sometimes, I'm going to give you some definitions on what the anointing is not. The anointing is, it's not just mere talent and ability. It's not nice sounding aesthetic worship. It's not good preaching technique or style. It's not a performance or show. It's not following three keys to church attendance. It's not based on years going to church. Do not fall into the trap of being a professional Christian. It's for those that are hungry. It's for those that are just going, here I am, Lord, use me. There's a big difference. There's a massive difference when you're not living in the anointing. Now, like we've said, everyone that is in Christ, you have access to this. So let's take it out of the church for a moment. There is a massive difference between church and anointed church. There's a massive difference between preaching and anointed preaching. There's a massive difference between marriage and anointed marriage. There's a massive difference between family and anointed family, business and anointed business, relationship and anointed relationships. Can I tell you right now, if the anointing is set apart for the purposes of God, for kingdom advantage, you actually have the opportunity to bring the kingdom wherever you are and live out of the anointing for wherever God has placed you. There's a great quote by Chris Harvey and it says this, the anointing is the favour to go, the grace to do, the power to be and the strength to continue. When you and I live in the anointing, these are four guarantees that we get. We experience the supernatural favour of God. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I'm going to be so transparent. I have to fight jealousy in my heart. God's blessing them. He's not blessing me. That is not the truth. That's an anointed area for their life and God is flowing favour to them. I've actually just got to focus on what He called me to do and favour will flow to me. Favour will flow to you. We experience the supernatural grace to do what He's called us to do. God called you to be a mum. There's grace for it. God called you to be a businessman or woman. Use it for the kingdom of God and there is grace for it. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. We experience this strength to continue. Grace 
sufficient for you. Grace and power in my weakness. There is this upside down kingdom mentality where it's like you don't actually have to be the macho man. You don't have to be the well put together Christian. When you humble yourself and go, God, I need you, His grace flows. The Holy Spirit begins to minister and the anointing activates because we do not want to be the people that take all the glory. It's actually not about us. And that's something that I feel like the enemy had locked in my mind. He's like, you are called, you are graced to do this, but you're stuck in a cage of thinking, well, what will people think about me? And I had to fight this complex of being like, but Lord, it's for you. But uh, And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, Darren, the good thing is it's actually not about you at all. There's, wherever you look, you actually can't take the credit because everything that I've given you is for me. And f- because it's for me, it's going to flow through you. And because it's going to flow through you, it's going to be for others. So quite literally, it's the most releasing thing when you go, oh, I'm called to live an anointed life, but it has nothing to do with me. It's all for Jesus. But somehow He still uses me despite my weaknesses and I get blessed along the way. Jesus is so kind. Isaiah 10, 27 says this, And it shall come to pass in that day that His burden will be taken away from your shoulders and His yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed by the anointing oil and because of the anointing oil. I just want to let you know today, the anointing makes a difference. The anointing breaks the yoke. Quite literally, the anointing changes everything. But here's the key. The anointing is your responsibility. It actually is. You have to tend to your oil. You have to tend to your relationship with God. You may be here and you'll be like, that's awesome, Darren. Why would you not want to live in the anointing? If it is the favour of God, if it's the grace of God, I do not want to do this life in my own strength. I don't want to go back to what I have to face on Monday. I don't want you to have to go back to what you're going to face on Tuesday without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But it is your responsibility. It is not our senior pastors. It is not your connect group leader. It is not your wives. It is not your husbands. It is not your children. There is a moment where you have to go, this is between me and God and I take full responsibility for it. God's anointing is available to all. I want to jump into this really quickly because I think sometimes we get tied up thinking that people that are really gifted are really anointed. No, friend, there is a massive difference between the anointing and gifting. Anointing and gifting are both from God. Our anointing and our gifting both need to be stewarded. Maybe you're naturally talented in something and it's been there since you were a child and you can't take credit for it. You've you've honed it, you've stewarded it, but it is from God. The gift is given without repentance. God has put a creativeness, a talent, an ability in each of us, and it's given without repentance. But the reality is you can serve with it for God or you can use it for the devil. That's actually your choice. But the anointing is for specific purpose. You can't serve the devil with your anointing. That means the gift in part can be corruptible. We go and we see people and we go, wow, they're anointed. No, they've honed their gift. They are so gifted. But I don't know about you. I don't want to be a gifted preacher. I don't want to be a gifted husband in just that alone. I want to be an anointed one. I I want to practice. I want to steward my family. I want to do what God tells me to do. But I don't want to just be seen as, wow, he was really gifted. No, no, no. Holy Spirit, help me. I want to be someone that oozes the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the anointing only ever accomplishes the purposes of God. 
It is a separation to purpose. Saul was anointed king of Israel, but when he began to serve his own purposes instead of God's, the kingdom was stolen from him and another was anointed. Saul remained anointed as long as he was king because he was anointed to be the king. But while he was serving in the office and he had taken his eyes off the purposes of God, another had been anointed. The anointing doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And it comes upon you as long as you're separated and do what you have and use for the kingdom. The gift can serve and build up self. Quite literally, we have seen this around the world. It can build platforms. It can build businesses. But the anointing always builds Christ. We can we can certainly glorify God. Now, hear what, hear what I'm saying. You can 110% glorify God with your gift and build up others. But the anointing is always accomplishing the purposes of God. Frank Damasio, I'm going to quote him a bit. I love this guy. says this, The gift gives goosebumps, but the anointing breaks the yoke. The gift inspires, but the anointing transforms. I hope you want the anointing of God. Oh man, we can live in the riches and the benefits of the gift that he's given us. But I don't want to use what God gave me for selfish gain. I want to use it to build the church. Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the Lord. Our ultimate concern needs to be this. What has God anointed me to do? When I find out what God's anointed me to do and I'm aware of it, I, 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 I grow in my faith. I'm aware of what's going on. I cultivate the anointing of God on my life. I give myself to the things of God and it opens my prophetic imagination. Have you ever wondered why people can talk and they, they sound like, oh, like God spoke to me and I saw a vision. Oh, and you, you might, and maybe this is just me when I was a teenager. I got so frustrated being like, why can't I see? Why can't I hear? Why, what is this about not being able to hear from God? And I just want to let you know, when you start to journey down that life of being surrendered fully to God, consecrated to Him, He starts to open up your ability through the Holy Spirit to actually see in faith. That's not just a Bible thing. That's like a, you can access that now. There have been many times in my life when when I close my eyes, I see clearly. Not because of me, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like God transports me through a movie-like sequence and I can see things happening. And I tie my hope to that. And I go, God, I see it. It's the same thing that happened when I got healed. God, I see myself walking. It's the same thing when I used to pray that I would be able to be fully restored. And quite literally, I prayed for Holly. God, I prayed that our son would be healthy. I saw it in my mind. God opened my prophetic imagination. I was able to tie my faith to it. It anchored me in hope for today. And that is released when we come under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm really excited for next weekend. Next weekend marks Vision Sunday in our church calendar. And this is a significant day. This isn't me just doing a shameless plug. I'm genuinely excited because I believe churches are anointed for general service and specific service. When a congregation begins to uncover what they are anointed for, it's actually unfathomable the impact we can have. When you and I understand that you're anointed because we serve the anointed one, that makes us anointed ones that means, and I want to get to my third point, where the anointed church. The anointed church. 
I really do believe that eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has planned for Shiloh. I'm not saying that to hype you up. I genuinely feel that in my spirit. God has been just showing me things recently, giving me imagination to believe, to dare for things that I didn't even think were possible. But I am so convinced because there is a willingness and an openness to the Holy Spirit here that He's just going to move in power. We may not be the the most likely candidate because of that church down the road. Honestly, it doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. He's just looking for people that are hungry. The anointed church then makes a radical shift from self-obsession to God-obsession. It turns from a pseudo-self-development where it's like, I just got to do me. and No, it moves to holy calling. It pivots from self-centered consumerism to an outward-focused priesthood. It transforms detached spiritualism into a realized and earthly expression of what God created the church to be. If I can have the keys back to the stage, I just want you to know this morning, the anointing makes a difference. The anointing breaks the yoke. It made a difference in the life of Jesus and his ministry. It makes a difference in us as Christians, but it is the thing that will make the biggest difference in us as a church. I don't want you living void of the anointing of God. The roadmap to it is a life surrendered. We had this beautiful moment. I got the opportunity to preach on Friday. Thank you, Pastor Kim and Herbie, for the opportunity. And the theme and the series that we were going through was this idea of Jesus over everything. And this is a, this is a confronting statement, but the, the catch line or the theme was, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. And we kind of talked about how we come to church and we try and barter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Like, I'll give you access to this, but you can't touch that. Remember what I said earlier, the anointing flows with an honest, open, broken heart before the Lord. And we had this moment where we both gave a salvation call and we, we asked young people, hey, do you want to make Jesus Lord of your, your life tonight? And the greatest thing was, I don't actually know the number, but I saw a few hands go up and young people accepted Jesus into their heart, which is worthy of a round of applause. It's the most beautiful thing. But then I specifically opened up the altar and said, if you want to be all in for Jesus today, like no holding back, His grace is sufficient for you. It's not about where you come from, your pedigree, how long you've been in church, how many times you've read the Bible cover to cover. If you want to be all in for Jesus tonight, would you come to the front? And I love this because the Bible does remind us that sometimes it's good to have faith like a child. We get so stuck and tripped up in what we're going through and what people think that we forget that it's humbleness before the Lord that actually unlocks a lot of things. A group of young people came to the front. I see a few of them here today. So cool. And we prayed. And I really felt like the Lord gave me a specific word for each of them as I prayed over them. And it's so easy for me to walk away from that moment and go, I did great. Um, great message, Darren. I never want to be that guy. I walked away and I was like, thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Thank you for using me. Thank you that I live in the anointing because I felt like each young person received something that they needed tonight. 
when you and I live in the anointing, God's going to put you in places and spaces where through His divine power, you have no idea what you're depositing to the person that you meet at Woolies. If you don't like Woolies and you're an Audi shopper, at Audi. If, if you're going for a run or you're going for an afternoon walk, if it's the, the lady that you pick your kids from up at daycare every week, if it's the guy at the coffee shop, when you and I understand that we follow and serve an anointed one, which makes us anointed ones. And as a church, we're anointed for the work of God. I, I dare to believe that we just start seeing miracles break out. The verse that comes to mind is where Aaron was anointed with oil and it's, his head was anointed and it flowed down his beard to the uttermost parts of his garment. And I just feel like God isn't like slowly pouring it, but it's like, a, it's like an open heaven funnel of the anointing of God on our church. And I just want to let you know here this morning, if it's flowing, it's not just for the top. It's flowing everywhere. You are called to live an anointed life. You are called to live in that power. You, are, you have access to it. Don't just push it to the side. Can I invite you to stand to your feet? I am a- Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.